Ah, um, so how much is that? Well, welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, where we talk about the business side of podcasting and everything that uh, goes along with it. Um, before we get started, I do want to say that we here at Podcast Editors Mastermind are united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black Lives Matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witnesses to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices, and we will use our voices to speak out against anti-Blackness and police brutality, and we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. And we encourage you, there is a movement um, if you follow the hashtag podcasters for justice, join what they're doing at WOCpodcasters.co. Um, just get involved. Do what you can. I mean, you know, this is something that we all have to, you know, use our platforms for. Um, and we were talking earlier about how we wanted to handle it. And clearly, we're probably not the best people to be talking about having this conversation by ourselves. You know, we aren't, you know, we have a certain privilege um, that we are aware of. So in the next episode, we do want to have a conversation about diversity and inclusion and just kind of open that conversation up to what what can we as podcast editors and for many of us podcasters do just to be supportive. Um, so please get into the, our group, get into our page. If you want to come on the show, please reach out to us. We want to have as many voices in this that we can. I mean, you know, there are so many things that we could say, but in, in all honesty, a lot of that would probably fall flat short of having somebody here to, to actually have a real dialogue. Um, so we, we want to, we, we want to honor that in a way that's, that really does honor people, not just us pontificating about what we think. We're going to go beyond just saying and actually take action. So um, please join us in that conversation um, on the next episode. Podcast editor, mastermind.com. Sign mm-hmm. up to be a guest. We'll even let you come on without editing an episode. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> I know. But we will. Yeah. Yes, we will. So we can introduce ourselves? Yeah. So I'm Daniel Abendroth of Roth Media. Up above me, we got... Brian Ensminger, Top Tier Audio. And I'm Carrie Caulfield, Eric from Yahoo on Podcasting. <laughs> I'm Jennifer Longworth of Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. And we are the Yetis. <laughs> yes, we are. Just don't put We're us in a room. <laughs> the good, the bad, the Yetis. Don't put yep. us in a room. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about an issue that Brian is struggling with, um, and that is buying new equipment for our business and whatnot. You know, computers, cameras, um, new microphones, toys to play with. Carrie, your gain is a little low. Yeah, I bought a short <laughs> SM58, and I think I need like some sort of cloud lifter or something, or I need to eat the microphone. I, I think that only works if you get if you don't get softer as you eat the microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
just just say I it. have to self edit all the time because I can get very very loud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think with this microphone that you're using today you're going to Yeah. Worry about that. So, can I just kind of take a second and frame up what the question is in my head because I'm, I'm hoping that on this call someone will have all of the answers for me all of the smart things and stuff <laughs> um, so I recently launched a a Hindenburg course it's designed to take people from I just installed Hindenburg to I've now published my first episode and to do that I created a lot of videos and not surprisingly processing a video takes a little bit longer than processing audio and so what I found was that I was starting to reach a bottleneck with my production process. And similarly, when I'm working on audio, uh, running processes in RX-7 to reduce noise or to take up reverb for somebody that stuck a, a Yeti in the middle of a room or any other condenser microphone for that matter, can take a lot of time. And I feel like I'm underutilizing under myself because I'm just kind of sitting there twiddling my thumbs unable to do anything else while these processes are running. So then the question comes up, do it, is it wise for a single producer like me, I, I'm, I'm a one person shop to pick up a second computer that will likely be underutilized that maybe isn't the most powerful, or is it wise to start thinking about upgrading and spending a good bit of money on something that really makes a difference. So that's kind of what led to this conversation that, that we're having here. And I've, I've already asked the Yetis once, but I'm asking, asking again because I just lack self-confidence. So <laughs> what are you guys thinking? I think that's like a really tough question because like at what point can you justify that added expense? I think for you, it's a little bit easier because like for me, like I want a new computer because my graphic card sucks and I want to play different video games. Okay. But it's hard to justify, you know, spending, you know, a couple grand on a computer just for that. Well, with you, it's a little bit different because you're actually using it for like something business related. So there is like a monetary incentive, I guess. Yeah. And I guess the other part of that is I've been asked to put together a proposal for another company to do videos yeah. for them. And I'm thinking this could take a while, right? Not only does editing take longer, but exporting takes longer. So Tanner, to answer your question about Adobe Media Encoder, I have no idea. I'm using ScreenFlow. I don't know what it uses. I don't, <laughs> I just I have a piece of software that I use. So I, I, I don't want to take over the conversation. No, go, go for it because usually so it's like, me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> y'all better get it, get it in while I don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> this is my opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> so I think what Tanner is talking about is when he um, with Adobe Premiere, you can actually export your finished video into another program that handles the export. So you can be rendering your video while working on another video or doing something else. Okay. So it's a, it's a separate program that kind of handles all that. In that case, probably not. Which brings up the question, like, would it be beneficial to just spend, you know, like $30, $40 on the Adobe package um, and get like Premiere with this encoder? if that would help kind of speed up the process. Well, huh. let me ask this. How old is your computer now, Brian? It is a late 2014 iMac or MacBook Pro. Get a new computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and for, for me, I, when I was having a similar issue, my poor little laptop just wasn't keeping up. It just couldn't do it. It was 
I'm not even using it now, but it has a better sound card than the one I'm using now. So what are you going to do? I have three computers, but one of them is my main computer that I went and bought because of the specs. I got it refurbished, so it didn't cost me billions right. of dollars. And I'm a PC gal, so I save yeah, you save a thousand way. right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I save money that way. <laughs> but kill that thing, invest the big money in the iMac Pro. That's that's what Tanner's telling you. Yeah, so I, I Tanner, I looked at the iMac Pro, and like the base model's five grand. I'm not sure I can. Holy cow! Yeah, what? I, I get that I might never regret it, except the day that I signed the check for the five thousand dollars. <laughs> Now, I mean, to be fair, that thing's rocking like 12 cores and it's a beast, right? But it's five grand. And, and so I, I did look at all the specs and the only, the only other one that I can find with an i9 in the MacBook line or is the MacBook, right? So the, the, the uh, minis don't have it. The iMac not pro doesn't have it. So yeah, I, I did look at that and I thought that's five grand. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I got, that's, that's, um. That's a significant portion of my side hustle business income. But it's go get one of those no interest credit cards they have. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, don't do that. That's a bad idea. That's how B and H gets you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But it's a, it's an investment, so you need to look at it that way. And it's also a write off. It's a business expense. So yeah, but it's still an expense. I know. Yes. I know. But will it make your life easier? And you better at your job. Right. And, and I'm also playing the odds here that this computer won't break. So if I did buy another one, I do have two computers, right? It's, it's not a matter of choosing to invest in something that's underpowered. So I have two underpowered machines. So Tanner said, I buy power can do a custom build that might cost you 2500 to 3000 but it'd oh. be PC. <laughs> oh, that might be a hard. I mean, it's tempting-ish. Yeah. You come so, to the dark side. Couple thoughts that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's that why I can up. have three computers, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got. My wife has a Chromebook. She has my old laptop. We also have another laptop lying around, and I think a laptop in the drawer. <laughs> Then I oh, have like yeah, my I forgot desktop. about the laptop that stuck. <laughs> I got like four computers in this room. Yeah, and this isn't is this an episode of hoarders or what? That's <laughs> um, we're I'm not even gonna like get into the, the rest of that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, us PC people can collect computers. You Mac people yeah. have to like decide on a mm-hmm. computer and throw yourself into it. Get that Apple credit card. <laughs> don't let Steve hear you saying that. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he won't. <laughs> well, I don't know. Make you listening. Do we need to cut? I, I have an aversion to that. Okay. Yeah. I, I appreciate you dreaming for me there, Tanner. I, I really do. <laughs> if I could dream with your money, buddy. <laughs> so, I mean, I appreciate the input. I really do. Because it sounds like my initial inclination to go with my gut and buy the thing that I emotionally want which is the beast of a machine, whatever beast I can afford. Like right. the, it, the, the, the most processors, the biggest numbers makes sense. Take advantage of when those things line up, right? That emotional <laughs> desire and the actual I need mean, happens rarely. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've occasionally found that emotions lead me in the wrong direction. So I do try mm-hmm. to be a little bit careful about that, but yeah. One thing that's coming up for me is, like, how long is this computer going to last? If it's going to last you, you know, six years, you know, that comes down to just over $1,000 per year. Like, is that, 
or I guess that's five hundred less than less than thousand yeah. dollars a year. So like, is that like does that how does that feel? And then the other thought that came up for me was, is this video work going to be continuous or is it a need right now? Yeah. So I I don't know for sure. I think it mm-hmm. is a need right now. But I'd been thinking about this before the video work came up because mm. when I sit there for 30 minutes and watch RX do a sit and spin because it's running three <laughs> passes of D reverb, you know, I, yeah. I kind of, I kind of want to spend a hundred bucks on a KVM switch so I can just pop back and forth between computers and check in on it while I'm oh. editing on another machine. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. For yeah. those people who don't know, what is a KVM switch? Yes. A KVM switch is a keyboard, video, and monitor switch. So you can plug two computers into one keyboard, mouse, and video, and then you just switch back and forth. So it's like having a single display and input set for two different computers, or actually they make them for more. I think they make them up to eight, but I don't need eight. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, for my day job, I've been working from home. And so early on, I got a KVM switch for that so that I could leave my work laptop plugged in and just swap out between my home computer and that computer. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, that ended up being a piece of garbage, but that wasn't the fault of the idea. It was the actual piece of hardware. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to add to this that it is about time for me to get a new computer, too. Um, And my husband is trying to talk me into getting a desktop which I find highly inconvenient because I can't lug it around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I have a desktop and it's kind of handy that I can't lug it around everywhere because then I just have to sit down and this is my workstation. Here I am. Right. The end. And if I'm sitting here, then I'm on the computer because I don't do anything else when I sit in this chair except be on the computer. Right. Right. And so- if I want to use a laptop. Like right now, I'm using the laptop because it's the one with the webcam. <laughs> yeah, I just shove the other one. But my main editing machine is a desktop, and I'm I'm happy with it. I don't. If you edit in the same place every time, anyway. Yeah, but I don't. I don't always. But then again, I could use. I could, you know, I'd keep the lap, laptop, and then probably put everything on the cloud. I mean, not like everything, but you know, have everything backed up on the cloud anyway. So. Yeah, all my stuff's in Dropbox, so if I needed to work on something right. from a laptop, I just have to tell Adobe Audition to let my laptop recognize it. What I do, so like I had um, a really good laptop that was refurbished, but like it froze every once in a while, so it was really inconvenient. Um, and I bought a desktop for my main computer. So if I need to like work somewhere else, I actually work off of an external hard drive. So I have so I I have everything synced through Dropbox. So I have my Dropbox folder on this hard drive. So every time I make a change, it automatically uploads to Dropbox. So kind of like an instant backup. So wait. But all that's on Wait. So hmm? you've got the Dropbox app on the external hard drive, is what you're saying? I have so I have the Dropbox program, but the folder that it syncs with is on the hard drive. Okay. I do the same thing with a different program. Mm-hmm. So that way, as I'm working in Reaper, so if I save my project, Dropbox kicks in and syncs that with my Dropbox account. Oh. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's backed up on your hard drive, but also Mm -hmm. in Dropbox. And it's mirrored on Dropbox, on the cloud. That is smart. What kind of... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I got the laptop that I 
picked up, I couldn't afford <laughs> enough hard drive. Right. And I knew oh. I couldn't. So when mm-hmm. I so then I when I needed it, I went and got an external hard drive for a hundred dollars or something to get half a terabyte. And then I set that as the sync folder. So all of my programs and everything live on my computer. And then all of my work files, all of those folders related to actually doing the work live there with synced folders to either Google Drive or Dropbox, depending on what I'm working on. And then once I finish, the archives of my projects then go to a cloud drive that doesn't sync back. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes. yes, I actually have two external hard drives. I have a two terabyte that I work off of, and then I have a four terabyte that I do nightly backups to. Wow. And then I also have two two terabytes in Dropbox. So in today's episode of Digital Hoarders, <laughs> <laughs> I've got four, six, We've eight, got ten data, terabytes. right? <laughs> oh, that doesn't even include my iDrive, yeah. which is five terabytes. But but the job is data, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it, we're, you're a professional. You're doing the right thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it actually kind of an anecdotal like reason why you should have a backup. So like I've been doing this for a long time. And my wife, so I have, she got me this weather glass. Um, long story, it, it's kind of like based on the temperature and different things, like it'll like fluctuate. But she was reaching on something that fell shattered on my desk and then like seeped into, it was, I think it was on top of the external hard drive. So uh, the external hard drive was uh. fried. But everything was synced on Dropbox. So I could just go buy a new external hard drive you know, it take forever to resync it, but like all my files were safe. Yeah. yeah. Except for the ones that were like archived, not in Dropbox. <laughs> yeah. So fortunately those are really old. But files. now you're archiving on this other, is it iDrive? Mm-hmm. No. What are you archiving on? A couple of things. I'm testing out iDrive, but I'm arch- like, I'm backing up to a four terabyte external hard drive. Okay. But back to Terry's or Carrie's <laughs> comment. You you mentioned Terry. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned that your husband's trying to convince you to get a computer. How how do you guys decide when it's time to start looking at looking for a new piece of machinery? Well, with my laptop, my old laptop, it just it couldn't keep up. It was mm-hmm. just too darn slow at, to the point where I couldn't get anything done. Because it was just lagging, and I had, I think I was still using Cool Edit Pro, yeah, on yeah. that machine. <laughs> so if I'm on that machine, I'm editing a Cool Edit Pro. Not quite as robust as some of the newer programs, but you know it works. And it, it couldn't keep up with with keeping Cool Edit, and especially if I, even if it was the only thing happening so telling me i needed to up my ram and you know so i could have gone out and just since it's a pc gotten upgrades but i was like you know what i want something with more power opted for the desktop so that i mean for me it was i couldn't get my work done because it was just too dang slow yeah and for me because it was a refurbished laptop that randomly would just lock up no rhyme or reason. No, I'd had no idea why. So I'd have to like do a hard restart. Sometimes like a couple times an hour. Sometimes once a day. Ooh, Dude. yeah, it was bad. Um, so for me, it was constantly losing work. Um, because like I'd be editing a podcast, and so I, I've I've finally learned how to do autosave. So like every five minutes, there would like a there'd be a backup file. But that's still like a five minute window where 
if it mm-hmm. crashed, I would lose anything I did in that time. Plus the time it took to restart it. So like it was just that time lost and the work loss and the frustration. Like that was a big thing is that like oh, that rage whenever like your mouse stopped moving and then you just had to like. Mm. So it's kind of a productivity issue, just kind of like similar to Jennifer's. I think that's exactly it. That's a problem that I'm running into now is that it'll just get bogged down and start lagging and things will crash. And all of a sudden now I'm spending like. 30, 45 minutes cleaning stuff out and checking everything to make sure it's going to run smoothly again. And I having, you know, I can't run like uh, Chrome and audition at the same time, usually because something just gets slow and it's always audition. Although I don't know why that is, but you know, it's been a, you know, like my laptop, it's been a great laptop. It, it at the time was a very good laptop good laptop but it's just like pcs just i don't know i don't know what happens to them they just get tired and old and you gotta put them out the pasture <laughs> so brian laughs he's like <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. I, I feel you i've had i've had my computer for six years and it's well, still yeah. I, I have a dell sitting over here that i bought just so that i could use it as a skype machine and then it couldn't keep up with that oh oh yeah that's terrible so like rough. i've in the last year, I've used it once, and that was to make that video to show how to record using the um, voice recorder. The voice recorder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, other than that, I, I barely fired the thing up because it's essentially useless. I I did upgrade it to Windows 10 so that it doesn't create a uh, a security issue. Mm. But yeah, uh, one of the things you guys had mentioned, I'm kind of interested in this. You'd mentioned it maybe instead of looking at new hardware to look at software and mm. Premiere Pro or Premiere, whatever it is. I'm not familiar with it. Most of what I do is screen share and face-to-camera kind of stuff. Does it handle? I mean, I know it could edit it, but it does, does it also capture that kind of stuff? I have no idea. I have it, and it I confuses don't... the heck out of me. <laughs> awesome. That's what I should do then. <laughs> I use Screencast-O-Matic. Okay. Screencast-O-Matic. If I'm going to be doing mm-hmm. video capture software, that's what I use for that. And I think if you pay for the pro, you might be able to edit in that too, but not like fancy editing. But when I do tutorial videos for my clients who just want to know how to do something simple in Podbean or Lipset or whatever that they're going to handle, I just turn on Screencast-O-Matic and that's how I do that. So yeah. I, I have Premiere mm-hmm. because I have Audition and all that stuff goes together, but mm-hmm. for video capture, that's... That's what yeah, okay. and I use I don't know if Bandicam. Um, I have that, and I sometimes will use Premiere Rush, which is a very simple. <laughs> I say simple, but it doesn't seem simple to me. Some people say it's simple. Compared to Premiere, it's super simple. But it it literally will like give you different ways to like export the file. And you can do some editing hmm. stuff, add stuff. I can't figure it out. Like, video is just, like, so foreign to me. But you can export it to, like, you know, YouTube specs, to Facebook specs. Like, so all the different places that you may want to put video, it can actually create a copy. Like, using one video, it can create a copy for all those things. Hmm. And, you know, with all the different, you know, the right aspect ratios and all that stuff. So that is incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Premiere can do screen capture. Okay. Um, and I think it might be overkill for what you're doing because it is such a, like it's a 
you know, industry standard program mm-hmm. that can do a lot. Um, so, so it's basically like getting Pro Tools to do my one, right. yeah, one show, <laughs> right? When you can, you know, it's only a grand a year, no right? Deal. When you can right. get like a decent screen recorder for like fifteen mm-hmm. thirty dollars. I don't know what they charge mm-hmm. now forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where you don't need to renew. Mm-hmm. Or subscribe. Yeah. Or get OBS for free. That's, That's whenever true. I do my tutorial videos, I use OBS because it has uh, my keyboard overlay. Right. So I can, people can oh. watch like what keys I'm clicking. Yeah. What? Yeah, remember? Oh, you yes, no, you showed, no. you showed it. You did a demonstration for that oh. um, for us. Which it is. has been a long time since I like did a live stream for editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I can't say that the added cost, unless like there is a benefit to, well, how many, like how much video work are you doing? Um, I've got three videos that I'm about to write a proposal for, and there could be more uh, because I've got people already asking, when are you going to release the advanced version of the Hindenburg course? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know yet. Let me finish fixing all the mistakes in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I released it in beta. Did, so <laughs> did you share the Hindenburg info yet about your course? Oh, Not yeah. yet. Oh, oh, yeah, because people um, might not Probably know. not here. Yes. Yeah. Well, I shared that I did it. Um, you did share that you did yes, it, but tell yeah. us more. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell you about it, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- I-, I think I shared this. The Hindenburg course is uh, it's a video course, and it's designed to take people that are either new to Hindenburg or maybe just want to deepen their knowledge a little bit on Hindenburg from I just installed it to I published as quickly as possible. And the way it's laid out is I've got a, a beginning section where I go through th- in three videos, I go through what you need to know to uh, connect, set your levels, record. And then I go through mixing and editing, and then I go through the publishing process. And then after that, there's another section, almost like an appendix where I go through each piece one at a time in more depth. So that if you want to go deeper into something like that, or if you want to refer to just one portion of it, then you'll find that there. There's also a bonus section that I haven't got filled out yet. Like there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. And um, it's available at courses.toptieraudio.com. And if you're watching on the live stream, the code PEM25, that's, or I'm sorry, PEM49, that's all caps, PEM49 will get you the course for just over 50% off. But it's only good for a couple of days. So if you're listening on the replay, hit me up. Um, Facebook Messenger at Top Tier Audio, and I will see if I can get you a promo code. It won't be fifty percent off, but I'll get you something just for listening it after we after the moment. What's the promo card? Carrie, again? can you drop yeah. that? Yeah. What's what? the code? Is PEM? It's all caps. PEM for Podcast Editors Mastermind, and the number forty nine, which is the price. That's fifty dollars off the the regular price. So, trying to get it out there and get it in the hands of people, and uh, just be aware the course will continue to change because I'm getting feedback about things that they're going, yeah, this part was great. Could you maybe tweak this a bit? And so I will be doing that and the course will get better as time goes on. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I'm well, kudos to you for doing it. Thanks. Like, getting it mm-hmm. done. Yeah. So when's the Reaper was- course coming, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, Daniel. Daniel. Eventually. Um, oh, par- I now have like pressure to do it sooner rather than later because uh, Steve chose me to do the um, Reaper demonstration nice. in the podcast editors podcast editor academy. Um, so now there's kind of like a little motivation to get it done before then, so that way I can 
have it ready whenever I do the demonstration. Cool. So, but you're, you're already yeah. working on it, right? Yeah, I, I recorded a video. I have everything kind of set up. And then I went to record the second one and got hit with a massive case of imposter syndrome. Um, oh, no. I'm still recovering. So I'm feeling, feeling better now. So hopefully I can knock that out. I mean, it takes a minute to recover from that kind of stuff. It was pretty debilitating. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I can relate. So what specifically was the apo- imposter syndrome? Yeah. Let me try that again. What specifically was the imposter syndrome around? Because I find that when I get it, it's usually triggered by something. And then I I have a certain like lack of self-confidence in a very specific area. So the trigger <laughs> was, was what? Was recording into Reaper. Because I've always recorded through a USB mic oh. just directly into my computer. Um, and I felt that if I was going to have a lesson on recording at the Reaper, I should tackle like multi-track recording um, using an interface, that kind of thing. And since I'd never done that, I'd have to like look into it. Then it's like, am I really the best person to be talking about this? Because I don't know what seems like the simple thing. Um, so I did it as two videos. I did okay. one video and I said, if you're running a USB microphone like this one, this is how you hook it up and this is how you select the interface. Mm-hmm. And because my, because my course is for journalists, not journalist pro, I didn't have to tackle multi-track recording, oh. right? Uh, I can do multi-channel recording, but all on the same track if I don't have pro. I do have pro, so I do multi-track. But for, for that one, I was able to do one where I said, this is how you plug in your USB interface and this is how you set the level using a little slider thing to set your input level. And then I did another one. Did I say input interface? USB mic. And then another one with a USB interface and an XLR mic where I said, okay, because this one has a volume control, this is how you set the level using the interface. So I just did it as two separate videos. I said, if you've got this one, do it this way. If you've got this one, do it this way. But then you don't have to go through like all of the, how do you assign every single track, right? You just go, um, you've got, say you've got a Scarlett 2i2 and you say, okay, the left one goes here. That's me. The right one goes here. That's me. Now it's set up. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I got hung up on because I don't have an interface. But I do have a Zoom H6 that I finally figured out how to use as an interface. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that'll do it for you. Yeah. So now I just need to... Well, I I used it as an interface, but not as multi-track recording. So I'm in a better position now. So hopefully that'll be very soon. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that because I, that happens to me all the time. Like, who am I to be teaching this? I barely know how to do it. Right. right? And then. Yeah. Cause I, I have a group for Reaper, like people that use Reaper for podcasting and like someone asked a question and there's like two or three other people that are just like right there with these like amazing qu- answers that I had no idea. Hmm. So it's like, ah, oh, am I the right person? But nobody else is doing it. So that makes me. The well, right if, person. I'm, if I'm the one to do it, then that makes me the right person. Well, Absolutely. and it depends on what you're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to teach what they're right. answering, you're not the right person. But if you're trying to teach what you know, mm-hmm. you absolutely are. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something I had to work through multiple times as I was working on the course, right? Who am I, who am I to be the person that puts together a practice episode for people to go through? Who am I to launch this in beta knowing that there's some stuff that's wrong with it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that yeah. stuff yeah. all the time. And that's not, one thing for me. It's just like if I do something wrong or something that's not right, 
like, and then people are going to like, like, there's that like, <laughs> irrational fear. You. Like, you're an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this guy shouldn't be in podcasting. But yeah. And I realize the irrationality of that, but it's still that fear. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that's incredibly common. The thing that kind of keeps me moving through it is that, okay, so how many times have you seen somebody who's maybe better than you are not know something and then just be like, all right, I guess we're going to learn, learn together. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. you know, and people kind of like that. You don't know everything. Yeah. And I think that's something similar to what you said a while back when I first kind of brought this up was like, if you do make a mistake, you know, take the correction because people aren't going to tar and feather you like take that correction, say, Oh, that's great. And then improve it and move Did forward. Did I say that? Yeah. You did say that. Yeah. I think it was you. It was somebody in the mastermind. Okay. And I'll just share with you that, you know, since launching the course, so first I had three people go through it in beta for free, mm-hmm. and they gave me some feedback, and I made a couple of tweaks, and then I said, there's going to be more tweaks, but I'm going to launch it anyway, because otherwise I'm going to tweak this thing to death. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've gotten some other feedback of things that could be better, and so I'll fix those. But I've also had one person who was relatively new, but had been using Hindenburg, that said, hey... Uh, so 10 minutes into the first video that I watched, I've already learned two things I didn't know. Oh, so nice. like you're going to find as you're going through this, you're going to find going through it, through it methodically rather than the haphazard way that we typically learn how to use software. Yeah. People will pick things up because of your experience and you, the work that you've done to help other people troubleshoot stuff. You're just going to naturally know things that they haven't known to ask yet. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And also we take for granted that, Mm. So how we teach is as important as what we know. And if you are a decent teacher, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know how to communicate it. Yeah. And I think that I've learned so much from you guys, and I can be the most confused person on earth. (laughs) So (laughs) you explain it to me like I'm five, and that's (laughs) that's exactly what I need. And then it also helps that Brian released his because now I can kind of see what he did and then borrow oh, yeah. that strategy. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it seems to be working. I, we'll yep. find out, right? Uh, I, I really did struggle a lot with how to best structure the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's one thing because, like, you're talking about having, you know, sample, like, episodes to edit, that kind of thing. So, like, I had that idea, too, but I didn't know how to implement it. So I was just going to start with, like, putting up just a video and it's like, is that really a course? And kind of struggling with that. So, like, I'm interested in, like, going through your course to kind of see how you structured it. Yeah. And now I need to go back on my course and add in the element of having mm-hmm. the audio for people to practice with. So, the, the way I did that was I actually had a sample script for them. And I said, okay, this is the recording section. If you want to mm-hmm. do this, here's a framework that you can use to record your own. Right. Hmm. And then I had a, an intro that I put together that was just the theme music from one of my old shows with a voiceover that somebody in the group did for me. I said, okay, we're going to need to mix this with an intro. So here's the intro that's already made that you can download if you want to do this. Of course, you can already work. Like if you've already got a show, work on your show. But if you want to do this one piece at a time, this is what we're going to be using. And that's this way you don't have to think of anything other than what do I fill in the blanks when I talk about myself for this two minute practice episode? I love that. And that was something that somebody in the group recommended, 
Like, hmm. I'm not pretending to be smart. No, no. <laughs> like, that, yeah, that's where it really comes. Being in the uh, group really helps, actually. Um, that's something that when I taught uh, scrapbooking and, like, uh, photo editing and di- we digital scrapbooking, that's what you did, is you gave somebody, like, a photo mm-hmm. or, you know, something, a little collection to work on, and they could work through the tutorials with you. So... I don't yeah. know why I didn't yeah. think about that. Just, just don't give them the music from Back in Black and say, "Here's your intro." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll try. And I'll, yes. I'll uh, avoid that because copyright is a thing. What the? Um, because I have some news about something that I'm doing, and that is Ooh. an RX7 course for podcasters. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Nice. So I do not have, and I think maybe I should go back and ask, because I did it for a client, and he said, I will pay you to teach, the, make me videos, and then you can use the videos however you want. So I used his audio for most of it, except for deplosive, because his audio didn't need deplosive. <laughs> so <laughs> mine usually well, does. Well, like most of mine. Yeah, do. this this was kind of a mess, and he wanted to know for his other podcast how to use RX seven because he said he just gets overwhelmed, and so he really liked the videos, and uh, I may have to record some sample audio for that, actually, or see if I can't use the audio clips from his pod because they did it for his podcast so maybe he'll yeah. he'll let me grab a little sample for I mean, people to work on the other thing that you could do is you could potentially reach out to some of the just busters because you lead that group and say hey i'm working on this course would you like to supply some audio mm. and as part of that then i will i'll give you a shout out when i put this course together yeah. well right. so my thing is like the videos are already done Okay. So I think it's it's harder to do it because you won't get the same results, right? Sure. Um, and you won't necessarily have all the same problems. Although, you know, I give you the, the guidelines and the tricks for, like, fixing all sorts of problems with the RX-7. But, like, I did, like, tw- <laughs> a lot of different kinds of plosives and how to fix them. But that audio I made myself. So that's me messing up tongue twisting. Tongue twisters. <laughs> so, did you do the Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers? I matched Peter Piper picked bring a peck pizza of pickled pronto. peppers with Sally Sells seashells down by the seashore. So, <laughs> Peter picked seashells. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, but so that will be coming out. I'm hoping uh, by the end of the month, if not like the first week of July. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Have... So are we going to put a date on the calendar so we can announce yours? <sighs> Deadlines. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. For, the, for those watching, this is how this is how it rolls in, back here. You know, when we yeah. went out in public, we're just like, hey, so when are you going to do it? Yeah. That's the uh, advantage of a mastermind. Is you have... And usually that's Carrie asking me when I'm going to do it. And I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> so I finally launched the course. Now she can leave me alone and move on. To I've been after him since. <laughs> you know what? I traced it back. The course, I think maybe the first or second mastermind we had talked about it. Yeah. And I said, do it. Do it. And I did after about two years or so. (laughs) Yeah. I think you said you had already, at that point, you had already recorded videos for it and just never did anything with it. I had. And you, but you know what? I think it's a good thing that I didn't because the course that I launched is not the course that I had then. Mm. Uh And 
I don't think that the course that I had then would have been as helpful. And some of the advice that had been given in terms of pedagogical techniques and course structure and wait, stuff wait, like wait, that. Wait. <laughs> Sorry, what? So you're going to have to define like uh, pedagogy. <laughs> I can't even say it. Sorry, like the framework for learning. The, yeah. the frameworks for learning and the order of operations to, to go through things probably weren't the best. Mm. Like they, they were based on a classroom teacher type format and what I got. And so I tried to kind of do a hybrid of that. And when I sent some, some people through the, um, through the, the beta version, um, I hadn't done all of it. But it was like, you know, start with the definitions, do an overview, show all the pieces, all of that stuff. They said, skip all that. Start at the beginning, walk us through it one piece at a time. You can always go back later and fill in the gaps. I was like, okay, I can do that. So if I had launched the initial one, that would have been the course, (laughs) but even more so dragging on slowly. And the feedback Mm -hmm. I've gotten is, hey, this one moves along. It's not too fast. There may be a couple videos that could be longer, but it's not too fast, but it's also not too slow. Yeah. So I wish I had launched it two years ago, but it probably would have really not been a good. Right. But you know what? You sat (laughs) down and did did the work two years ago and you learned something from it. And then you probably poked around in other people's courses, I'm guessing. Not any Hindenburg courses. And I did that on purpose. But you. Because I I didn't want to steal. Right. Well, borrow. But. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want even the appearance. Implement (laughs) in your own way. Um, I'm a big fan of getting inspiration from other people and no, but no, it sounds I'm, terrible, but it's, it's, we all, cause we're all basically floating around in a world where all the information is pretty much the same, right? Mm-hmm. There are only so many ways yeah. you can edit a podcast in each program. Right. So, but there are all different ways you can structure the learning of that. And, uh, you got to start, and especially if you don't have a teaching degree, oh my God, <laughs> what, what do you do? Like, you know, mm. it's a new thing. Well, you ha- There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to like covet and get inspired from. And sadly I do, but the only thing I learned how to teach was music, right? You don't do a lot oh, of coursework in yeah. music. You, you say, You're this a is music how you, teacher? well, never professionally, but that's what I went Why to school for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the crazy hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not going to lie. My music teacher said, "My I, I had I went to two elementary schools, and both of those the music teachers time. were had like the male, pa- male pattern balding." Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> so it kind of comes that a with requirement? the territory. I, yeah, I've it never is. had a male music teacher. Really? Yeah, and I just lost my light. I have. I don't think I haven't had any bald ones until college, and then of course, mm. you know, there's that. But yeah, I never did it professionally. I got out and realized I could make as much working at McDonald's. Mm. So there's that. Basically, and now you're in tech. Yeah, so. kind of. Or do mathy things and computer I, stuff, right? I, why is there so much math in my mathy life? Mathy things and computer stuff. I don't know. I was a fine art major. What is going <laughs> on? <laughs> you're a fine arts major because you yeah. only can do like so, art. <laughs> so, true story. I went into college not needing math except for the degree that I took just because the state required it. So I clept it but because of the state I went to school in. They wouldn't transfer it as the course that I needed to take. So I ended up needing to take college level algebra two all over again, just to prove that I could do it, even though I didn't actually need to take it. But now you use it, I'm sure all the time. Like at least the uh, thinking like, no, no, 
<laughs> I'm, oh, yes, the, the problem solving, mm. yes. The quadratic equation, no. Now, if you want to know the square root law of inventory that we didn't cover, I can talk to you about that one. <laughs> well, actually, that Maybe sounds for another episode. Kind of in- intriguing. Uh, we, we may have derailed here a little bit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Welcome guys. to the true master. How these go? Right. <laughs> yeah. See, folks, when we don't have a guest, you get to see a little bit about what our masterminds really do. I mean, this is what we do every yeah. week. We yeah. just don't let you in every week. Right. But so the. The encouragement here is if you'd like more focused conversation, then you need to be on this show mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll do our best to help yeah. you or yes. let you share what you've and got. And tell you to do it. That- oh my gosh. Why are you not yeah. doing it? Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I'm not doing it, of course. I think, you know what? I think you should do it. I'm like, I'm the one left out here. No, like, course, because course. every <laughs> time, here's what I think you need to do. When I think of how I'm going to explain podcasting and how this all works and how to get started, I think of your podcast primer at Podcast Movement and your lunch and learns. And I think that's what your course should be around because you make it seem doable. Where I'm like, I don't even know if you should have a podcast because this stuff is crazy hard. <laughs> I don't even know where to so start. So I guess I had a live, I've done live courses, but I've not, I've not done a virtual course. I, I think also a uh, social for podcasting would be a great course for you. Yes, social media. Because like I have learned so much mm-hmm. from you around social media. Like if you want to know what you need to have in your bios, even if you're a podcast editor, you need to go to Jennifer because she will, she'll be like, nope, you need this, 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 and this. Well, see, that comes into, we're talking about what degrees you have. My degree is communications, new media. <laughs> Well, at least so, you're using yours. Yeah. Well, I kind of got it when I was already doing it, and I knew I needed to finish a degree. I'm like, you know what I'm already doing? Let me just get a mm. degree in it. So there you have it. So every time I had to choose a form of new media to do a program or a presentation or a paper, I always chose podcasting. So that's how I know so much about podcasting. Yeah. Well, you need to share it with the world. Like, because... Yeah, especially so I did um, kind of an intro to podcast podcasting with a a, like a virtual webinar with local business women. Yeah. So and I did that. uh, I would like to do it with the Chamber of Commerce, although our Chamber of Commerce does not have like virtual events because I don't think they know what those are. Um, Not even now. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? If I was in charge. I'd be on it. I'd be like, here's what you need to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, they they don't. But that's what I think you should do. Totally. I think you should should teach that. Because you just make it seem so simple and so easy and lots of fun. Like. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that somebody that you said uh, was about um, you can only do so many systems in the same way in the same software or whatever. Mm. There's only some ways you can edit a podcast with the program. Yeah. But then there's this new thing that I resisted and resisted and resisted called Descript. Uh, Oh, Mm -hmm. that was the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, We didn't talk about anything we were supposed to be talking about. No, we did. We did talk about some of it, but I, I, (laughs) <laughs> we talked about equipment, but yes. I wanted to, to to talk about Descript a little bit because I'd heard about this thing for months. And I was like, I don't trust this. 
How can this possibly make my job easier? It sounds like a pain in the butt. It's just going to mess everything all up. It's not going to be nearly as good as me. And then I got it. And? And since I use Adobe Audition, it's very helpful. I don't know how it would do with other programs, but you go in, you upload your your files, and it gives you a transcript, and then shows you all of the ums, mm-hmm. like immediately, and you can say, delete, gone, and there went 200 ums out of a file, and I'm like, 200 ums? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, and so then after, and you can also look, and I haven't done much content editing with it because I'm still like trying to decide if I trust it or not. But um, I've looked at the beginning and can tell that they're just gabbing before they actually start. I can just cut that out right then. And the same thing at the end, just cut that out right in without having to listen to it. And so that's kind of speeds it up. And then it exports as a, a project file. So all of the cuts are there and it's non-destructive and if I don't like the cut or I decide that I'm really needed to stay there, I just slide it back in in audition. And it has made things go a lot more smoothly. So I went ahead and jumped in and I'm only month to month. So I didn't pay for the whole year. Cause I'm still like, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bought know, the year. So I'm not, I'm not all in all in, but I'm mostly all in. Yeah. See, They're my first time was, was a little bit different because the first time I tried to like do it to the, um, it found four instances because the speaker was so like articulate. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, this doesn't save me any time at all. It took so long for it to like actually process. But yeah. I think like with more uh, people like me who say, um, a, a lot, like actually a lot more beneficial. So they, in the latest update, what I really like is now if you control F to find a phrase like, you know, it mm-hmm. will now pull up all those in the like left side window. It will pull up all those instances of you know, and you can choose to delete them all at once. Hmm. So that to me is is super exciting because yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had a client want me to delete every time he said delicious, <laughs> and this was before I had Descript, and I said you're going to have to give me timestamps on that. Because I'd already edited this show, and then he's like, wow, I say delicious a lot. It's a bourbon-tasting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you should have him record other adjectives so you can just plug it in. It was in. delicious. <laughs> I was sitting in the room doing the tasting with him. But he's like, wow, I say that a lot. Can you take that out? And I said, well, give me timestamps so I can go back and just find them easily. And now with the script, I was like, I could just type in delicious. So I did. <laughs> And there it pulled up all the delicious stuff. Yeah. I could just delete it from there. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is that would have been so much handier than trying to figure out where they were. And so I, I you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah. And I think used with like, so like going back to the last episode when we talked to Tanner and we we're talking about accountability as a service and that. Uh, apps like Descript are basically going to make it hard to compete with in podcast editing because it does, it keeps keeps getting better. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so easy, and it's only like well, I don't even know how much I is it ten dollars a month. 
$10 if you pay annually, $14 if you pay month to month. Yeah. I don't remember how I, I think like I may, that. I don't know how I paid. Anyway, um, I did, <laughs> but I don't know if it's month to month or annually because, you know, everything's, a, mm. yeah. But uh, in, so higher level editing, when you're really, you know, if you're working on like a narrative or you're back and forth with a client about something or you're just a really good editor, <laughs> the script just makes it so much easier. It really yeah. does. It saves time. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot in the script. And it can do the sequence thing where you pull in two tracks. Yes. yes. It transcribes them both and takes the ums out of both right. tracks and separates them back And out. you get a transcript. Yeah. And yeah. you get a transcript, now, which you can then. The transcripts. Make Otter look amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. So they need to work on that good. a little bit. It was. It's <laughs> well, I've actually found that Descript was more accurate than Otter. Oh, not for mine. Oh, oh wow. I think I think no. for. Are you clicking a fan mine. on a podcast, <laughs> Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> now we have to leave that in. <laughs> yes, please, whoever's editing that. It was just. I didn't even. I didn't mean. It sounds like this. I know. <laughs> I'm a fidgeter go. too, so I'm also like. Sorry, I mean, we've been on here for about an hour. I'm, I'm yeah. like swinging around in my chair and clicking the buttons. Sorry. <laughs> she needs to go run so, off some for, energy now. <laughs> for those that are wondering, Descript does work with other programs. I don't have them all memorized, but I know that it works with Reaper. You can export a session mm -hmm. file for Reaper. And if you're working in Hindenburg Pro, you can actually bring in an audition session. So you could actually kind of oh, hijack right. the program to do it that way. Uh, I think it works with Pro Tools. I'm not sure about Logic. One cool thing that I've started doing is like my client takes her transcripts and then like cleans them up, um, and turns it into essentially a blog post that so looks a lot nicer. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've actually started doing is I'll run the transcript after I edit, share the project with her because she has her own account, and then she can edit the transcript within Descript. Mm. Because it's a lot easier, mm -hmm. like editing it, like does it, the Descript interface is really nice. And it's like super cool to like edit the transcript like during, because you can listen to it while you're editing it. And then you can actually control it, like all in one. So you have to like flip back and forth between like a Word doc or Descript to pause it or whatnot. So I can actually share it with my clients and they can have access to the Descript project file and get the transcript that way. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you what you can export in and it's, Samplitude, okay. Reaper, Final Cut Pro, Pro, to Pro Tools, mm -hmm. Logic, Adobe Audition, and Adobe Premiere. So I've found it to be particularly useful if I'm editing, say, a college professor interviewing another college professor where they have a real desire to be precise and not as much of a desire to communicate clearly and in, mm -hmm. a, <laughs> in a succinct way. I could tell when you use um, the word pedagogical. <laughs> That you may have been. Uh, I picked that one up in college. <laughs> okay, <but yeah. laughs> it may have come back to you because that's, that's um, a word I run yes. into a lot of time, a lot on my clients' podcasts. In that case, Brian, are you reading it and saying that doesn't make any sense? Delete. Let me. So I do the ums only in Descript, and then I do everything else in Hindenburg. Uh, okay. They're they're Zoom recordings, so. Um, Descript is going to miss some stuff because words get cut off in the middle. And then I don't really trust reading the scram, the transcript to do all of the repeated 
phrases and restarts as they rethink what they were going to say after they started saying it. Like, it, so that I do manually. It's a it's a much longer edit. It's about a they probably take 40, 45 minutes longer than I'd like them to, just because there's so much going. And a lot of times it's a laptop mic in a room. So there's a lot of really deep listening to, to try and figure out what they're saying. Like we're talking like probably 30 minutes for Descript and um, audio repair, then probably 30 minutes for mixing just to try and get the levels consistent and figure out how to make each laptop mic sound reasonable. And then after that, it's the process of going through and editing. That's probably two and a half hours, which in my world is for a, an hour long show is probably a bit long. Like I think an hour and a half to two hours to edit that is probably about right for how I typically roll, but it's another 30 to 45 minutes longer than I think it should be. Well, let me tell you that I saved an episode with the script because my client interviewed somebody who was very obviously not comfortable talking on a podcast. And she, and I don't know, maybe she had an off day too. But anyway, she was an extra hot mess. And while I don't usually edit content in Descript, there was no other way. If I had done this in audition, it would have taken days. So I did all the content editing. And it's not something I usually do for this client, but like, what else are you going to do other than throw away the interview? So I used Descript to make this lady sound completely coherent (laughs) it was I moved things around like I cut and pasted like I would in a word doc and Descript actually did a really good job with it I was very impressed because it used to be uh much rougher but they have really been working on things I mean it's it saved me maybe days of work trying to sort this woman out because it was stop, restart. She would say something wrong. She'd start over again. She just, I mean, she was all over the place. So yeah, that's my, my most recent experience. So the script is useful, not evil. Like we were led to believe. Well, it's both. I know. In the hands of (laughs) somebody else who isn't paying us, it's evil in our hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, if you if you just ran it through Descript and didn't touch it again, yeah, ah, yeah, I don't I, think so. I don't trust I it to, enough to not listen. Yeah, you mm-hmm. like absolutely. if I have a show that they don't want a full edit, like they don't actually want to pay for me to listen to the whole thing, I'm not going to use Descript on it because mm-hmm. I I don't trust it to not have a bad edit. Yeah, um, because I've especially with interviews, if you've got if they're talking over each other and there's an um, there's a chance that it might cut both of them for the um when the other track was actually saying something that mattered because it doesn't know you can silence just one. Right. You you still have to put know. ears on it. Like it's yeah. not a substitute. Yeah. I don't know that it ever will be a substitute. There's no substitute for listen. You have to listen. I mean, that's the job that Descript can't listen. Right. No, but I think it'll get to the point where it's good enough. It might not, like it'll, it's just kind of like what Tanner yeah. was saying. Like, word like a WordPress site isn't as good as having like a custom built website, right. but it's pretty good. Yeah, but if mm-hmm. you and you can make it work, so I think like Descript could get to that point where for simple shows, mm-hmm. like obviously, like, I don't think you can do 
NPR style or like, you know, narrative or fictional storytelling, that kind of thing. Like those complex ones, like that'll never, I don't think, be able to well, be Well, I'd never replicated. do it. Like I would never right. not put ears on it and I, I would never just release right. it. So, you know, I get, and, you know, and, and that's very valid, but I think that for the professional podcaster, you're going to yeah. want to listen. <laughs> I'll say, but for like a hobbyist who's right. recording into their anchor app on their phone and then just like publishing it through there, the script would be good enough. Right. And right. if you're working with a hobbyist, then yeah, you need to <laughs> to think about what you're going to do. Uh, and I think if you're that pro editor and you're thinking, you know, I might not be ready to step into this, just remember that it took Pro Tools until like this last year to finally put offline bounce out there for you. So like they, as people were mixing down, they still had to listen to the whole thing in real time. Like that's how it worked. So just because you do it differently and it takes longer doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong. Mm. It might just mean that you have a different perspective on doing the work. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear more about that conversation, it's actually very similar to what we had in the last episode with Tanner. Be sure to go check that out because that was a really, I, I thought it was a really good conversation. Just kind of about our role as podcast editors in the future. It was really nice that Tanner was really candid about his business. It, yeah, yeah, that was, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from him. And that is at podcasteditorsmastermind.com. It is episode seven, which you can also find in your favorite podcast app. Cause, but you know that because you're podcast editors, right? <laughs> and if you want to be on the show, if you have a problem that you need some work on, and you kind of work want to workshop and get some feedback and advice, go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com and click on the link that says be a guest, fill out the form. You can edit the episode if you want. We'll have you on the show and just kind of workshop whatever your issue is. Like we did with mine today. Exactly. (laughs) I have one more piece of news. If you would like to hang out with me on Saturday, I will be at the Indie PodCon virtual conference, which is like, it's a one day thing in the Indie Podcasters conference group on Facebook. It's also on their website. Um, I will be speaking, I think, at four or something about creating a podcast mission. I know you guys are editors and this is for new podcasters, but when we talked about uh, looking at what other people are doing and coveting you're going to want to covet some of this information, see how people teach different things Mm -hmm. and get Mm -hmm. some wisdom on how you can impart that information to clients. What other people are saying, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, Not I'm sure they're all going to be great. Um, But just see what other people are doing. See what the new podcasters are asking about. That is June 13th on Saturday. See what they're asking about and get some good stuff for your business. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Daniel Abendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Entspringer. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com. And I'm Jennifer Longworth at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. And thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Editors Mastermind. Mastermind.